సహనావతు సహనౌనత్తు సహవీర్యంకరవాహై తేజస్వినవధీతమస్తు మా విద్వషావహై శాంతిశాంతిశాంతి పూర్ణమద పూర్ణమిదం పూర్ణాత్ పూర్ణముదచ్చతే పూర్ణస్య పూర్ణమాదయ పూర్ణమేవావశిష్యతేశాంతిశాంతిశాంతిశృతిస్మృతిపురాణాలయంకరుణాలయం నమామి భగవత్పాదం శంకరం లోకశంకరం శంకరం శంకరాచార్యం కేశవం బాదరాయణం సూత్రభాష్యకృత వందే భగవంతో పునః పునః ఈశ్వరో గురురాత్మేది మూర్తిభేద విభాగినే వ్యోమవ్యాప్తేహాయ దక్షిణామూర్తయేనీహరిం పరమానందం ఉపదేష్టారమీశ్వరం వ్యాపకం సర్వలోకానాం కారణం తం నమామ్యహం అపరోక్షానుభూతిర్వై రోచ్యతే మోక్షసిద్ధయేద్భిరేవ ప్రయత్నేన వీక్షణీయాముహుర్ముహు ఆత్మాష్కలోహ్యేకోహోవరావృతైక్యం ప్రపశ్యమ్నమతరం ఆత్మానియామకశ్చాంతహోబాహ్యోనియమ్యకోరైక్యం ప్రపశ్యమనమతరం ఆత్మాజ్ఞానమయ పుణ్య ైక్యం ప్రపశ్యమనమతరం ఆత్మా ప్రకాశకస్వేహస్థామస ఉచ్యే తయోరైక్యం ప్రపశ్యమనమతరం ఆత్మానిత్యోహి సద్రూపహో నిత్యోహ్యసన్మయోరైక్యం ప్రపశ్యే దిస్ ఈజ్ ఇగ్నరెన్స్ 
So what is ignorance? What else other than this can be ignorance? Or what else other than this can be called ignorance? This is ignorance. What is it? Viparya Rupa. That is Viparita Buddhi, the false notion of false perception that we have our ourselves, that is ignorance. <coughs> so understand that here this text of Vedanta is addressing the human problem at the most fundamental level. <coughs> During the discussion on the four four qualifications, we discussed the various situations, the Vyavahayaka level or the level of the transactions in the day-to-day life. From now on, this text is addressing the most fundamental problem. And that is the false perception of oneself. The wrong perception, the Swami would say wrong judgment, wrong opinion, wrong perception, wrong knowledge about the self is not only wrong, but it is quite contrary to what really it is. Meaning that we perceive ourselves as quite opposite, quite contrary to what we truly are. Truly we are, I am the self is limitless, meaning that limitlessness is my nature. Whereas I perceive myself to be a limited being. Ananda. Happiness is my nature, whereas I find myself to be an unhappy person. So, this opinions or conclusions that I am entertaining about myself, are these reality about myself? Vedanta says, no. So, what you consider yourself to be? Or what do you think of yourself is not the reality about yourself. <clears throat> and Vedanta says that that is basically the problem of the human sorrow or human sadness. So if we can call the problem that we have in our life or the life of a human being is sadness. <clears throat> Shoka and moha, so shoka, grief or sadness is the problem of human being. <coughs> and that arises from moha, moha means false perception. Moha you call it or abhiveka. What is abhiveka? Seeing something which is not there, failing to see something which is there, and seeing something which is not there is called moha or delusion or aviveka or non-discrimination. Like in the rope snake example, seeing the snake which is not there and not seeing the rope which is there. This is called viparita buddhi, the opposite conclusion the false perception. And just as that perception of the snake causes in me fear, where fear stands for all other problems like fear and, and, and so running away, anxiety, whatever else will come along with it. So just as the fear caused by the perception of snake has no genuine reason. From my standpoint, there is a reason for fear. And there is, I see a snake there. But from what really exists, namely rope, there is no cause for fear at all. So this person 
who is who has fear and a tendency to run away, how do you help him? So what happened? Why are you so scared? Snake? So perception of snake is the cause of his fear. So how can we help him? Regardless of what you do, the rope snake doesn't go away. We employ the conventional means of driving away the snake, which may be pounding the ground, or if that doesn't work, uttering some mantras, if that doesn't work, call the, uh, the snake charmer or whatever. But no conventional method of driving away the snake will work. Because the snake is not the conventional snake. Had the snake been a real snake, then the methods of driving the snake would have worked. In such as, snake is not real snake, it is a perceived snake, it is a false snake. Therefore, the methods of driving away the snake did not work. And therefore, there is no conventional way of helping this person becoming free from fear. Similarly, human being is suffering from sadness arising for a variety of reasons. I may think that the sadness is caused by the people around me. So they don't treat me well. They take me for granted. They treat me as a doormat. I mean, there are valid reasons, I guess, you know. They are. And then we do something all right. So, uh, maybe you should create a distance, we, we have, you know, show them the methods, the therapy. Then if they insult you, then you, you know, strike back. Somebody, if they insult you, just put up with it, endurance. So taking that cause for sadness to be coming from there, that the way this person treats me is the cause of my sadness. Because a given event happened, that is the cause of my sadness. Meaning usually we assign the cause of sadness as something other than ourselves. Our Swami used to say, there are two kinds of problems. One is the problem where the solution lies outside the problem. Like, I'm hungry, the solution lies outside the problem, I should get food to appease hunger. I'm thirsty, that's a problem, the solution lies outside, and I need to get water, something to drink. And similarly, all these day-to-day problems of hunger and thirst and poverty and, you know, disease and illiteracy, whatever, all of these are problems which have their solutions outside the problem. Therefore, we need to resort to an appropriate solution to solve those problems. Vedanta cannot be anything there, by the way. I'm Brahman, that I'm Brahman doesn't mean, it doesn't work when I'm hungry. That everything is Ishvara doesn't work when I'm thirsty. Or that I'm poor without money. So all of these problems have solutions outside of themselves. And therefore, appropriate solution has to be resorted to. But how about the problem of sadness? So Swami will give an example. Suppose there is a letter S. Why choose S? Because Swami, I guess, I don't know. It's made of a number of pieces. 
And all those species are scattered. And somebody asks you to assemble those species so that you get the letter S. You struggle with that. Somehow maybe you are not able to assemble those scattered pieces to arrive at this letter S. What will you do? Will you go outside to do something? This is a problem of which the solution lies within the problem. <coughs> Meaning that you have to, one way or the other, learn to assemble those scattered pieces in a manner that they form the letter S. When you reach, going out, seeking something else, doing out there something, why oh, switch on the fan, come on, you know, it's too hot. Switch on air conditioner. Or oh, let me have a sandwich, let me have coffee, all of this stuff you can do, but that will not work as far as the letter S is concerned. Because this is a problem of which the solution lies within the problem. You call your teenager son or somebody like that, you know, say, what is this, you know, and I say, man, just in, in half, you know, in a few seconds he does it. Similarly, sadness, human sadness, what kind of problem is it? Is it a problem which has its solution outside the problem? Or is it a problem in which the solution is within the problem? You have taken for granted that like other problem, sadness also is a problem of which the solution lies outside the problem. Because the cause lies outside the problem. I am sad because somebody did this. I am sad because somebody did not do that. I am sad because this thing did not happen. I am sad because this thing happened, etc., etc. And then we try to work on this solution to make this person do what I think he should do to stop him from doing what I think he should not do, to make things happen which are not happening, to make stop from happening which are happening. So that's what I do. Meaning that in my opinion solution is trying to change things around, manipulate things around, control things around, have my way and Looks like solution comes. This fellow is talking like this, I, I shut him up. I simply relieved. I said, yes, I found the solution. Until that fellow, somebody else does something, you know. This problem of sadness does not seem to go regardless of what I do. Momentarily it seems to have gone away. But then it comes back. <clears throat> For the simple reason is that the cause has not gone away. As long as the cause is, so long the effect will emerge again. Like removing the weeds from a garden. I keep on cutting them from the top, thinking that I have solved the problem. They come again. As long as the root is there, so long those weeds will reappear. And so also, regardless of what I do, from India I go to United States, from there I go to Australia, from there I go to wherever I go, from there I come back. This fellow gets married, this fellow gets divorced, all kinds of things we do. All of them, the only desire is to become free from sadness. The same as becoming happy. <coughs> and there is no solution, no therapist can help us as far as becoming free from sadness. <clears throat> because the problem of sadness has its cause within itself and therefore the solution also is within itself. <clears throat> it is not that I am sad or unhappy because somebody did something or somebody did not do something. 
It's not that I'm unhappy because something happened there, or something did not happen there. Then what's the cause? So Vedanta is the only one that tells us that cause is within you. Everybody else will tell you that the cause is out there. So do this, repeat this name, do this worship, do this that, etc., and then you'll go to this loka, that loka, and then your problem will be solved. Vedanta says that wherever you go, so Swami says, all you need is a human mind, that's all. The human mind, wherever you go, will create sorrow. So sorrow is created, not that it comes. So wherever we go, we'll create it. Whether you go into forest, you go in solitude, because in solitude also I can be quite unhappy. In fact, we become miserable sometimes when we are by ourselves. Nobody is there around. Nobody does anything. But I have one thing. What? My mind. And thus my mind is enough to create all the sorrow or sadness for me. How? What's the reason? Vedanta says that the false conclusions about yourself is a reason. The false perception about yourself is a reason. Meaning that you take yourself to be quite contrary to what you truly are. Whereas truly you are limitless, for whatever reason, you take yourself to be limited. That's why the first thing that Lord Krishna said to Arjuna is, Ashochyan and Vashochastam. Here, Arjuna, you are grieving for that which does not deserve to be grieved for. Arjuna, you are grieving for that which does not deserve to be grieved for. Arjuna was grieving. For whom? Looks like Arjuna was grieving for the potential death of Vishma and Drona and all the near and dear ones. Svajanam hi kathamatva sukhinasyamadhava hi madhava Allah Krishna svajanam hatva killing our near and dear ones katham sukhina. How can we be happy? Meaning that this death of near and dear ones is the cause of my unhappiness. How can I be happy? So what is Arjuna's conclusion? His conclusion is that the death of the near and dear ones is the cause of my sadness. So what is wrong? That's true. What is wrong with that? Should it not be? When a near and dear one passes away, should it not? It causes sadness or, you know, to anybody, sorrow to anybody. Is it not a genuine reason to be sorrow? Lord Krishna says, Gatasum agatasum nanushochandi panditaha. Panditaha nanushochandi. Pandita, the wise people, nanushochandi, they do not grieve. Anushochandi means what? Grieving. Anu, pascha. Grieving because of something. Something happened which gives rise to grief, is anushochandi. Pandita, nanushochandi. The wise people do not grieve. Katasun, agatasun, For those who have passed away and for those who have not passed yet, they do not grieve for those who have passed away and those who have not yet passed away. Swami, they are so callous. So insensitive. Even the wise person, the wisdom or knowledge makes insensitive or what? Thick skin. Nothing happens to you. No feeling at all. So he dies and nothing happens to you. Because what Lord Krishna means is nobody grieves for anybody else. What do you mean? Everybody grieves for their own self. Arjuna does not grieve for Bhishma and Drona. He grieves for himself. Why? Because Arjuna says, Hamesham, Mamayete, I am theirs, 
They are mine. What will I do without them? What will I do without them? I'll be without any support, without any warmth, without any security. What will I do without them? Yeshamarthi kaṁkṣitanna rājyam bhoga sukhānicha. O Lord, what's the use of winning this battle? Yeshamarthi kaṁkṣitanna. Those for whom we desire the kingdom and the wealth and the pleasure, they are all here. So if they die, then who, for whom this kingdom is? So all along Arjuna thinks that it is the death of this people which is the cause of his grief. Sounds very right. To that Lord Krishna says, no, even that also is not the real cause of grief, because even that also does not make wise people grieving. It's not real grief in them. Because nobody grieves for anybody else. We always grieve for our own self. <coughs> you grieve because there is sense of loss. Lot of death happens. If you don't feel sense of loss, nothing happens to you. Mm. Only when I get gets connected with something that happens. In Istanbul there was an explosion in the nightclub. There were two Indian people there. Everybody came, became so upset. So sad. Oh, there's this girl from Baroda. This young girl from Baroda. It was beautician or something, isn't it? Hmm? Fashion designer. Okay, yeah. So everybody, because the I got connected in some way. Nobody grieved for the other 37 people who died. Nobody knows their names also. Only 39 people who died, only two persons mattered to us. Who? Those who were Indians. Why? Because I am an Indian. And particularly the person was Gujarati. Because I am a Gujarati. And that is from Baroda. Because I am from Baroda. Or it is close to me. You know, the closer it gets connected to I, more it becomes a cause of grief. So grief is centered on I, it is not centered on anything else. If something happens there, if in some way gets connected to I, then alone there can be grief. So Arjuna is giving Vishma and Dhran. There are millions of people there, they are going to be killed. But Swajanam, how can we be happy when Swajanam, my own Jana, my own people, my own near and dear ones die. How can we be happy? So my near and dear one. It's a personal loss. So it is a personal loss or sense of loss that makes Arjuna grieving. You understand this? Sounds very cruel, Swamiji. You know, I mean, death also doesn't, doesn't have to cause grief. <clears throat> you are welcome to grieve. The point is, let's understand where grief comes from, where sadness comes from. Unless that is understood, all kinds of solutions we apply, they don't work in our life. We create distance from somebody, we, you know, attach ourselves to somebody else, and all kinds of things we do. But the basic problem remains, the basic cause remains intact. Therefore, that sorrow simply returns in different form, that's all. Because I am the one that creates sorrow. And therefore I am an uncanny knack of creating sorrow under any conditions. You create heaven around me. You can do that. Think Swamiji, everything is now perfect. Okay? It's perfect as far as you are concerned. Who says perfect as I am concerned? No. Okay, this, you know, I, so as I said, an uncanny knack of creating sorrow. Because the problem is also centered on me, so solution also is centered upon I. 
Only Vidanda tells us this. As clearly as it does, people may say something, you know, which you can ultimately, hey, this also says the same thing. But it's a convoluted way. In a clear way, Vedanta teaches us. <coughs> All right. When you say, Swami, the problem is centered on I, in what way? Is I the cause of sorrow? If the world is not the cause of sorrow, is I the cause of sorrow? If I am the cause of sorrow, then I am always there. That means sorrow will never go. So I am also not the cause of sorrow. There are people who are free from sorrow. There are people, and I also now and then become free from sorrow. Even though I am there, then sometimes there are times when I am free from sorrow. If I am equal to sorrow, then I can never be free from sorrow. But Swami says, this fellow is always very sad looking. But that fellow sometimes laughs. When he has slept a joke, he laughs. He forgets his sadness for a moment. That means that there is a moment when he is free from sorrow. That means sorrow is not his nature. So nature is something which will never leave you even for a moment. It cannot, the ice is not cold even for a moment. Or fire is not hot even for a moment. But water is hot. But water can get cold. Because heat is not the nature of water. So the fact that now and then I become free from sorrow. Now I feel experience freedom. Between sorrow also is not my nature. Had it been nature, I would always be sad. In fact, I will be happy with sadness because we are, we are always happy with ourselves, with our nature. So if I am also not the cause of sorrow, understand this. The world also is not the cause of sorrow. That means there is no cause of sorrow anywhere, understand. Ashochanan, you are grieving for no reason at all, Arjuna. What's the cause of sorrow? See, Vedanta helps, wants us to solve this basic problem. Who is interested in Vedanta? We are interested in ourselves. Nobody is interested in Vedanta or anybody. We have no interest in anything, really speaking. We have only interest in ourselves. And we would be interested in Vedanta, provided Vedanta has something to do with myself, not otherwise. Even in God also we would interest, provided in some way I can be helped by God. Otherwise I don't believe in God, because right now God has no role in his life, he doesn't believe in God. God is something, what does it matter to me? He starts believing in God and he finds that God has something to do with him, then he starts believing, you know. Oh, Swami, I was just here in the of moment. Now I realize that you know, I was helped. There, there is some God somewhere. Some power is there. Okay. Poor God also gets a chance. Only when he can be connected to why, not otherwise. Otherwise, if you believe in God, that belief will go away also. <clears throat> so then where is the cause of sadness? So Vedanta says, the I, world is not the cause of sadness. I also, I is also not the cause of sadness. Then what's the cause of sadness? The wrong perception of I. Or the false perception, or the false opinion or conclusion about I is the problem. Meaning, looking at myself in a way which is quite contrary to what I really am, Then by nature I am eternal and I look upon myself as a mortal being, subject to birth and death, subject to old age and disease, old age and disease. That's the cause of sorrow. In fact, I am the embodiment of knowledge. I look upon myself as an ignorant being, cause of sorrow. 
हैप्पीनेस इज माई नेचर लिमिटलेस इज माई नेचर अरे वो मास लिमिटेड बींग कॉज ऑफ सॉरो सो कॉज ऑफ सॉरो इज इन थिंकिंग दैट आई एम मॉडल इन थिंकिंग दैट आई एम इग्नोरेंट इन थिंकिंग दैट आई एम लिमिटेड इन थिंकिंग दैट आई एम डिपेंडेंट थिंकिंग दैट आई एम हेल्पलेस इट इज अ थिंकिंग दैट मेक्स मी सॉरो So understand the sadness is a result of a process of thinking. When a given thought builds up, then it results into sorrow. Just one thought doesn't make you sorrow. Somebody says something to you, which is insulting. Insulting. Okay, all right. If one thought occurs, no problem. A few thoughts occur, no problem. He insulted me. He said this. Oh, he said this. Why did he say that? Who is he to say that? It goes on and on and on and builds up, and then you know. So this sadness, sorrow is what the result of this build up. It's all mental process of looking at myself in a certain way. How do I look my, at myself? I am insultable. You know, he insulted me. Means what? I am subject to being insulted. So I look at myself. Meaning, insult can affect me. Insult can touch me. Insult, you know. So, this wrong perception or a perception of myself is a problem of sadness. Vedanta says that that is a wrong perception about yourself. You are not limited. You are limitless. You are not mortal. You are immortal. You are not ignorant. You are knowledge. But Swami, if limitless is my nature, then how? Come, why do I take myself limited? That's another question. Why do I have this false perception? If immortal is my nature, how come I take myself a mortal being? Why? Once I take myself a mortal being, then I become unhappy. That's okay. Why do I take myself a mortal being, limited being, helpless being, needy person? Why? So that also has to be explained. This is a false perception. Or why does this this false perception arise? Vedanta says ignorance. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of the true nature of my own self. That is the reason for this false perception. But ignorance doesn't do that. Ignorance means I do, do not know something. Why do you know Chinese language now? I don't even Telugu language. Let alone I don't know the script. All scripts are the same to me. Whether it's Tamil or Telugu or whatever, everything is round and round. I don't even know which script it is. To them, Gujarati may look like that, you know. Anyway, ignorance doesn't cause any problem. Understand? I don't know so many things. So not knowing something doesn't have to cause problem. Then what? It is not not knowing something. It is wrongly knowing something that causes problem. In fact, this fellow is a double agent, and I look upon him as my agent, as my benefactor. In fact. He is a hidden enemy. This false knowledge about this fellow creates all sorts of problems. <coughs> Similarly, the false perception or conclusion about myself is the cause. What causes it? Ignorance. But ignorance is not merely here. Normally, ignorance doesn't do that. This is the kind of ignorance that causes the wrong knowledge. This ignorance is not merely absence of knowledge; it causes false knowledge. If I did not know myself, no problem at all. Deep sleep state, I am not aware of myself. In the deep sleep state, I am not aware. When I am fast asleep, I am not aware of myself. I have no problem. 
So if by ignorance you mean not being aware of something, then that kind of ignorance also doesn't cause problem. I'm not aware of millions of things in the life. They don't cause problem to me. There are black holes and all kinds of all kinds of things are there. It doesn't matter to me. Then what kind of ignorance is this? This is ignorance that causes the wrong knowledge, false perception. So not that I am not I am aware of myself, but then I am aware of myself or I think of myself as of a nature quite contrary to why how why does that happen? Because I take as myself what I am not. So what I am not is taken to be the self. <clears throat> and therefore, the attributes of what I am not are taken to be my attributes. That's called identification. There is this problem of identification caused by ignorance. <clears throat> when I identify something, I as though become that. As I said in the morning, while watching a movie, I may get so absorbed in that, that I identify with the actor. And the happiness of the actor becomes my happiness. Unhappiness of that fellow becomes my unhappiness. We identify with many things. With our cricket team, we identify. So when a word player hits a boundary, I jump with joy, so I, I hit the boundary. I have nothing to do with that. I don't even know how to hold the bat. He is a sixer. He takes a wicket. On the other hand, he is out. He hit a boundary and got caught right at the boundary line. Ha, I, you know. Why? His happiness becomes my happiness of identification. Because of identification, at that moment as though I cease to be what I am and I become something else. I became the captain of Indian team for a moment. Or the bowler of Indian team. Oh, this fellow just missed the catch. So, because of identification, we forget who we are and become something else. <clears throat> people fight. You know something? People get so excited. Some people when they watch cricket match and they are so emotional about it. There is such an identification with this Indian team, let us say. If Indian team loses, it's better that don't go to that person for at least half an hour. Don't go near that person. The instance is when you go, he just slaps you in the with you. Really? The U.S. were watching this Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers and New York uh, Giants, I think, you know, some game was going on. And New York was not a favorite team, and then they won. We were watching this in New York. One child among us, some twelve-year-old fellow, he got so upset because he was a 49er fan, I mean, living in New York. That fellow is rooting for the San Francisco, that's a very ridiculous thing. But that's how it was. And he got up and he kicked TV, literally. So that can happen. That is called identification. When we as though become something that we are not. So Vedanta says that this kind of identification is going on in our life because of which we take ourselves to be quite different from what we are. So what is the identification? So therefore they say, hey, you are not what you take yourself to be. Who am I? I use the pronoun I for myself. But the I is a complex entity. It is not a simple entity, it is a complex entity. That I is a union of two entities. The I and non-I. 
in my eye, it's a union of two entities, I and what I am now. Like an actor on the stage. That actor is a very wealthy person. Actors are all billionaires, I guess. They must be billionaires, whatever. Billion is nothing for them. These actors have all the billions of dollars invested out there in Dubai and here and then Abu Dhabi and there are huge palaces and all kinds of things they have. An actor such as that is playing the role of a beggar and does it very effectively. But sometimes, before going to stage, if he has one too money, And because of that influence of what he has put in his stomach, it goes into his head. And he forgets who he is. Before coming to the stage, he looks at the, from the green room, before he looks at the big mirror, he looks at himself, because that's his custom, you know. Before an actor goes to the stage, they always look at themselves, how am I, you know, find out things. Who, who appears in the mirror? Yeah, a beggar appears in the mirror. Who am I? I am a beggar. So he thinks that he is beggar. So as far as he knew he was actor, his tears were there. He was, he was then also the tears came out of his eyes. But inside he knew that this is the tears of acting. He self-congratulated. See? How amazing I am that I can bring out real tears without any so without any onion and garlic and water and some kind of thing, you know. So they were asking Obama. Because Obama, I mean tears, I mean it was sort of very emotional and, and some time ago. So there, there was a whole thing about these emotional leaders, you know. Narendra Modi, for example, you know, talking about his mother and, and so is this real or not? There's a big debate in there. Does Obama keep something in his, in his uh, handkerchief? Which can bring about the tears? Are these real tears or not? I mean, that people have something to talk about anyway. And this uh, media being what they are, they're always opposed to these fellows. And they have something to say. <coughs> But the actor brings over real tears and congratulates himself. He's crying from outside and congratulating himself from inside. That is when a distance is maintained between his costume and himself. The beggar is in the costume. Actor is someone who is totally unaffected by the costume. The beggarliness of the costume does not in any way make him a beggar. If by putting on the costume of a beggar, you really became a beggar, nobody would take that role. But there was Swami, he said, on the other hand, by acting as a beggar, he becomes richer. But when you don't know this, when we have the annual cultural program in Gurukulam, so whenever Savitri Mani assigns roles to the children, some children don't want certain roles. This fellow doesn't want to become Ravana. Doesn't become Duryodhana. Why? Because he thinks that, you know, I'll be really become Duryodhana or Ravana. But a real actor knows it doesn't become anything. As long as you pay him money, it doesn't matter what you ask him to do. Because neither the costume, nor the role, nor all his acting affects him at all. Because he is much aware, always conscious of his identity. And therefore, is aware of the distance between the costume and the actor. There is a distance between the role and the actor. <clears throat> as long as the distance is there, 
he can afford to play any role. As a beggar, the fellows to go through lots of problems, people insult him, people throw coins at him, people throw all kinds of abuse at him, nothing affects him. Outwardly he may react, nothing affects him. But today what happened is, one too much. And now, the usual scene is, this beggar is sitting on the roadside, people are passing by, that's the daily affair, you know. This is, there is a script according to which they are acting. So passes by, somebody throws a coin, somebody doesn't look at him, somebody insults him also. And these are beggars, he's supposed to put up with all of this, not react. But today something unusual happened. If one passerby insulted him, said some bad words, and this fellow was so excited, he got up and punched him. And that fellow is, you know, he's knocked out. The curtains fall down. What happened? What did you do? Why did you punch him? Why didn't he insult me? According to script, he was supposed to insult you and you were supposed to put up with the insult. So today, from actor, he became the beggar. There's no identification with the costume. His perception of himself changed. As long as perception is, I am the actor, the wealthy person, so long, the beggarliness which belongs to the costume doesn't affect him at all. But when it's perceived, I'm a beggar, then every insult that comes to beggar becomes his insult. Otherwise, as long as he's aware of his true nature, anything happens to beggar, nothing happens to him. So, says, some of, what is tatha mana, mana, vshito, shnasakodakkeshu, samasanga vivarajita, tulle nindas, tutirmada, mana, apamana, some honors, fine. Dishonor, fine. Praise, fine. Censure, fine. He is a sitabhagna. Oh, this beggar. Because in spite of being treated in all these ways, he is unaffected. When there is a clarity, a distance between the role and himself, when he is aware of the true nature of himself, when that distance is erased, by identification. So who erases the distance? Identification erases the distance. Even though it is there, it is erased as far as this fellow is concerned. And then, whatever happens to the role, happens to this person. The insult to the beggar becomes his insult. And when somebody gives hundred rupee note, he jumps with joy, that also becomes his gain. <coughs> So every loss and gain affect him with the identification. Otherwise, loss, gain, samatvam yoga, he is a yogi, because samatvam, unaffected by whatever happens. And therefore, the cause of these actors becoming sad is not because he doesn't have money, is not because he is insulted, he thinks he is insulted. Why? Because he thinks he is a banger. So he has a false perception about himself. Whereas in reality, he is a wealthy person. He looks over himself as a banger. Why? Because where does, there is a banger someplace. Where is it? In the costume. As long as costume is costume, so long he remains a wealthy person. But identify the costume, he as though becomes a beggar. And then all the problems of the role become his problems. He insulted me. Why you said he insulted me? Who says? The actor says that. But the insult doesn't, it's not to him. It is a costume. But then he superimposes upon him, that upon himself. Something like this happening in our life. That beggar is a union of two entities, 
the actor and the costume. Understand that. Actor is a self. Costume is non-self. The beggar is the union of two entities, self and non-self. However, as long as the distance between the two is clear to him, as long as he is aware of his true identity, so long doesn't matter what costume he has, what role he plays. But when the distance gets erased because of identification, when he forgets what his true nature is and identifies with what he is not and takes himself to be quite contrary to what really he is, that is when all the problems of the role become his problems. Otherwise, there is no problem as far as he is concerned. So Vedanta says that what you call I is also a complex entity. There are in fact two entities involved there. The actor and the role of the costume. Unfortunately or fortunately, the I comes with the costume. The I, the conscious self, comes with the costume. What is the costume? This body is a costume. So the I manifests through this body. I or the self or Atma has put on this costume of the nature of body, mind, sense complex. If the distance is clear to us that I am self, I am consciousness, I am Brahman. Doesn't matter what the costume is. Meaning that the limitations or shortcomings of costume, they do not become my shortcomings, in which case there is no problem. That costume is limitation, not my problem. I have a limitation, my problem. That costume is beggar, is not my problem. I am the beggar. That's the problem. Similarly also, body is not the problem. I am the body becomes a problem. Mind is not the problem. I am the mind becomes a problem. So that is a problem or that is a cause of all unhappiness in our life. So what is the solution? Creating the distance. Then we have to... Now what does that beggar have to do to become... Now he says, I am a beggar. Please give me something. What do we need to do to make him rich? Tell me. These fellows really start begging, give me a penny, give me a quarter. What do we need to do to make him wealthy? Set up a business for him? What do we do? We just need to tell him, hey, you are wealthy by nature. That your conclusion, your beggar, is a misapprehension about yourself, a false perception about yourself born of identification, born of ignorance. So, the knowledge, the true nature is a solution to this problem. So, problem that is created by ignorance can only be solved by knowledge and by nothing else. <coughs> that fellow can do what he wants, he can never become wealthy. How can he become wealthy? He just has to know that I am wealthy. Therefore, what the text does in the verses that we just read is Atma, Anatma, Viveka. Viveka, separation of the costume from the actor from the costume. What's the cause? The costume is itself, Deha. The body is the costume. Where the body means both gross as well as the subtle bodies. The body, mind, sense complex is the costume. The Atma, the Self, the limitless is the one who is wearing that costume. He just has to assert his true nature. I am not this and I am this. <coughs> so that Viveka is what is described in the verses that we just read. Okay, we'll continue. <coughs> Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam 
केशवं बादरायणं सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वन्दे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाशाति हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओम